0: I enlisted in the, for the Navy because I wanted to go to Lakehurst, New Jersey. So the recruiting sergeant came in I was a sophomore in high school said, who wants to join the Navy? And I said, I do. He said, what you want to do? Well I want to go to Lakehurst, New Jersey, lighter than air training in the dirigibles. Okay, we'll sign you right up, which they did. The next year, the von Hindenburg came in, blew up and burned when it was tying up, killed all the people on the ship. <laughs> and I kept on going to Great Lakes, and when I graduated, they said, Well, Kale, there's no more lighter than air training, we've canceled the dirigibles that we have. But we're gonna send you down to San Diego to the hospital corps school. Oh boy, I'm gonna be a hospital corpsman, I like that. So I went down to San Diego. That's all I remember about San Diego. You could always go to Tijuana without a passport. (laughs) And they didn't have many Navy people or aircraft carriers or ships down at San Diego. You buy muscatel 50 cents a gallon, everybody gets sick. And the only thing I ought to remember that 10th Street Hill was so long, you had to get a pint of wine down at the bottom so you could get up to the top. It was really a long street. Well, I finally graduated number two in my class at San Diego. I said, what you want to do, Kale? The first guy that I wanted to do was the number one man. He went back to Illinois. The number two man, which was me, they said, You have your choice of worldwide assignment. I thought I was worldwide, almost come from Illinois to California. (laughs) But anyway, I said, I know what I want to do. Then I remembered. Somewhere out in the Pacific area, there was a little island called the Pearl Harbor. No, the island of Hawaii. I hear they have a lot of good looking gals on that island, boy, in long hair. But I heard some of them live in grass shacks and they even wear grass shirts. And boy, give me Pearl Harbor. Okay, they're going to tank. So I came up in World Pearl Harbor on an old oil tanker. When we got out about two days out of San Diego, they said, Cale, we're going to send you out to paint the mast. Boy, I looked up there 30 feet high, and I'd never been up that high. Nine, 950 degrees in the shade. A lot of wind and the oil in the tank, and boy, we rolling back and forth, back and forth. I throw up on this side of the ship, hit the mast this side, and throw up on this side of the ship. Two more, about 10 minutes, they said, we're gonna haul you down, Kale. You're painting the ocean and not the mast. Well, it took about two more days and we finally got to Pearl Harbor and I was stationed up at the old Navy hospital, Hospital Point C Landing. That old hospital was built in 1917. My well, 41, it's almost, it's almost ready to be torn, torn down. But I was in the officer's ward and we did not have nurses in those days. The senior corpsman on the ward was the nurse, so the doctors were generally reservists coming from uh, Ever Plantation, and they'd come over, tell me what treatment to give the patient, what medicine to give the patient, then they go back to Fort Island or Ever Plantation. So I stayed there almost a year. Well, that's really nice in Hawaii, boy. I spent all my time mostly with the Nisei, with the Japanese people, American ancestry. I never made, met any of their family, the fathers or mothers who actually came from Japan. But people always ask, ask me, did you hate the Japanese? I said, how can hate somebody who's an American just like me? I came from Illinois, they came from Hawaii. I ate with them, went to school with them, training with them, and all those different things. But I never could learn to hate the Nisei. But I tell you, this is the reason why. Hate is up here, in your mind. The longer you get hate up there, it becomes fixed. And you can die hating whatever you hate. And you can never lose it because it's a solid foundation in your brain. Well, finally, before December the 7th, I was transferred down to the shipyard dispensary in the Navy Yard. Here, like I said, I had the pharmacy and laboratory. Well, <laughs> On night duty before December 7th, on 6th, I was on night duty at the shipyard dispensary taking care of the civilians that worked in the Navy Yard and also taking care of any military that got sick or hurt. And on the morning of December 7th, I got up early, had to walk about three-quarters of a mile down to the main gate, and I went in. Of town with the master's arm said, I'm going home. He said, okay. So I went outside the 1010 dock. But as I looked over toward Battleship Row, the planes were already diving on the battle. What's that? We don't train on Sunday. Oh, probably, probably a reservist or a National Guard or something doing something. They did it every once in a while. Okay, I just watched them for I was going to go home then. Then I saw one of the planes turn off to the right in the rising sun on the fuselage and wing. My God, those are Japanese planes. Ran over to the receiving station, took the fire axe, broke down the door of the Army to hand out the O3 Springfield rifle single-shot weapon on bandoliers I ammunition mean, where you load, lock, fire, and eject in the second round of war is over. Well, we gave one to anybody that wanted one, and they were firing all the way from the main gate, clear out to where the Arizona and Missouri are tied up. But suddenly, as I was watching the activity, the aerial torpedo bombers, the Cates, started coming in from this direction. The sun was right in our eyes. We couldn't even see them coming. And they started dropping off aerial torpedoes that the Japanese made to go in shallow water. So none of them hit the West Virginia, but they used its watertight integrity system. They shifted the oil on the ship and the water on the ship, made everything level, and it just sank down into the water. The Arizona also took nine aerial torpedoes, but he didn't have time to do anything. It turned over and sank. Twelve minutes, 429 men aboard. Well, I'd been training to be a frog man, so I spent a lot of time... Swimming in the water out there. The frogmen today are called seals. (laughs) Boy, I don't know what I'm going to do. The doggone diesel had leaked out of the ship and caught in fire, so we're having to swim way down under instead of on top where you normally swim. So I swim around to find somebody, pick them up, take them over to the to a ship that I had working with me, and then they'd go back down and look for another one. So in four hours, I only picked up forty-six people. Some of them were dead already. Some were badly wounded. Some badly burned. Trying to pick them up, the skin had come off of my hands. And some of them were just tired because they got blown off the ship or jumped off and had to get ashore. After four hours, I went back through the main gate told the master, I'm kind of tired. Can I go home? Say, you can't go home. You're a petty officer. And I need you on the front door of the receiving station. So that's where you found me. And I talked about it. Well, he said, don't go anywhere. You're going to be court martialed for breaking into the army. I said, what do you mean? He said, in peacetime, you can't just take a weapon, give it to somebody. You have to sign out your weapon, sign out your ammunition. And when you get through firing, you sign them back in. <laughs> so I got a deck court for that. But fortunately, the next day, President Roosevelt said, declare war on the Japanese. So they called me back in and gave me an award for breaking into the armory and a carton of cigarettes. I guess at 19 we were supposed to learn to smoke. (laughs) Why do you think it's important for the students to know what happened there? Well, it has to be important. But, as I always tell them the same thing when I finished up telling them about December 7th, I said, don't forget now, remember Pearl Harbor, never forget, it could happen again, only this time be like the Boy Scouts, be prepared. So, I picked up my 10 men. We went out to the Arizona, and as we were going out, I said, "Look now, I'm a hospital corpsman. I have no knowledge whatsoever about a battle wagon, especially the USS Arizona. But <laughs> we'll find out what we do and when we get there." Because I asked the admiral, I said, "What I'm going to do?" He said, "I'm not going to tell you. Just remove the bodies, and when you get there, you'll know what to do." I said. Man, we're going to the Arizona. I can't tell you anything about the Arizona, but I'll tell you this. If a body's been in the water from Sunday to Friday, they start to inflate. In those days, we had 24, 25 kinds of fish in the Pearl Harbor, moray eels, tiger sharks. I'm sure they will start feeding on the bodies And when we get there, uh, we'll find out what we're going to do after we get on board the ship. So we went on the board the ship where you normally go aboard. And the whole front end of the Arizona was almost down in the water. So we had to put on gloves, because we couldn't go down below the second deck. And the second deck, had a lot of people down there in the mess hall, but we couldn't get down to get them. So I think the first thing we saw, I saw something blowing off in the water. What's wrong? Oh, yes. The Arizona burned for two and a half days. That's the ashes of one of the people. But I can't stop it when I... <sighs> I just sort of sank back on my hatch and said, boy, what am I going to do if I find a lot of those on the Arizona? Well, then about 10 minutes, I said, hey, I got to stand back. I got 10 men waiting for me to tell them what to do. And I said, okay, men, just spread out, go around. When you find a body, bring them in. We'll put them in a sea bank, send them up to Red Hill for temporary burial. So I think the next thing we saw was a bunch of helmet liners lying across the ship, but nobody around the helmet liners, so they opened the hats there. There was a man standing on the ladder, but he didn't have a head, so it must have been the ashes that were blowing off the ship. I said, just pick him up, put him in the sea bag, and we'll send him up to Red Hill. Well when we got to the, the big guns. It, you see it in there. There's three of them, two areas. Lots of men with little piles of ashes. They burn right down to the deck. Three or four on each gun. I, I said, "Boy, it's really different. How I'm going to put the ashes up all the time? I didn't have anything with me to pick up ashes, with We managed to pick him up and we tried to put one man in each sea bag and send it up to Red Hill. I said, boy, this is getting more difficult as we go. Then we got back to the aft fire control tower. I think a bunch of men had gone up the ladder and the fire had caught them. Oh, they were just reduced to, they were all about three foot long, all fused together like a bunch of sardines. And I tried to break them apart and when I, as I was getting them put, at least try to get one man and put it into a sea bag. Sometimes the head had come off or an arm or a leg. Boy, and I spent six weeks on the Arizona taking off bodies and I only took off 119 And I had no idea whatsoever how many men were on the battle was. But when I came back from Vietnam, I said, I got to go out and pay my respects to the men I left on the Arizona. When I got out there, they had the new wall all made with all the Navy men by address and all the Marines were on there. So I went out and paid my respects to the middle. Then I went over to the left. There's about thirty there that were on the Arizona. When they pass away they come out and were buried. Our people on there the divers take the little urn over. And when they get under there there's a little aperture that they can drop the urn in. So those thirty or forty are buried on the Arizona and now they was Started on the right, two and three, so I did my present with all the Marines there, all the Navy people, and all the people who have been buried since on the Arizona. Well, boy, I was really tired after six weeks, and suddenly the Master Arms said, Don't go out tomorrow, Kelly, you're going to be court martialed What? Court martial for what? Keeping a war diary. I said, oh, I can't keep a war diary. I'm just taking the name of where I find one of the bodies and all the things surrounding the area and that. And I write it down in my notes. He said, but in time of war, you can't tell where the troops are going or how many are going there. I said, these are just cadavers, not troops. That's it. all. It's a navy regulation. Got to follow the reg. Oh boy! I said, "Who put me on report anyway?" Oh, the old chief down at the shipyard dispensary. <laughs> now I know what happened. I said, "I was in charge of the pharmacy and laboratory. Once a month, I give the old chief a pint of hundred ninety-proof ethyl alcohol. He didn't have his regular." <laughs> for a couple of weeks, so we figured if he put me on report, I'd go back to my duty station, and he'd get his rice, and I said, you better be long gone before I ever come up. But they finally went back, and he was gone. They had shipped him around and, Walt, and away. Well, that was really terrible, but that was a summary court-martial for that. Then they they finally, when the the commander found out what was really happened, I didn't actually get a summary court martial. They just talked about it. But he did take my notes and have them burned as a war diary. I said, boy, I spent six weeks taking up bodies, most of them just ashes. And when I get through, he burns all my regulations. I have no, nothing that said I did it, where I found the bodies or anything else. So I asked Everett one day, Everett, didn't you guys have dog tags? He said, no. I said, didn't you go through a training center? Yeah. Why didn't you have dog tags? That's all the medics have to do, is give you your shot and give you two dog tags. They didn't do it. So one of my jobs was making dog tags, 56,000 Navy personnel. I'm a graphite type machine. I tape all of that stuff. And we were using the new dog tag that wouldn't burn, not the old ones that, even those that had dog tags, they burned up and you couldn't find them anymore. But the trouble with the Navy people, they never follow orders. I get all their names. I said, okay, you got to come in, put your fingerprint on the back of this dog tank. We'll let it in with hydrochloric acid and nitric acid, and then we'll know who you are. Some of them came in, but most of the ones in the fleet didn't. So they still didn't have dog tanks.